You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the DNVR DNBA show, Friday edition, casual Friday slash Nuggets Serbia. Today, tonight in Serbia, if you're watching from Serbia, I'm. Uh, my name is Fake Adam Mares. Actually, it's it's Miroslav Cuk calling from Pančevo, Serbia, and we have a special show for you today. First of all, we are witnessing the era of great big men in the NBA even though some would argue that none of these big men have won the championship yet, like guys like Nikola Jokic, the first center to win the MVP trophy since Shaquille O'Neal, or the perennial MVP candidate in Joel Embiid, or a guy who can single-handedly generate top five defense, even with Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley as the guards in front of him in Rudy Gobert, or one of the best shooting seven-footers ever in Carl Anthony Towns, plus a couple of guys like Bam Adebayo and DeAndre Ayton, tells us we are witnessing probably the most loaded big man lineup ever. Today we are going to talk about two of them, guys who are on the opposite sides of skills spectrum, being world-class in every aspect of the game the other guy isn't. Of course, I'm talking about Nikola Jokic and Rudy Gobert. Most people like only one of these two guys, but that's not the case with my guest today. He is a Utah Jazz fan who watched every single one of Rudy's games in the NBA. But he's also the first guy outside of Denver to recognize the greatness of Nikola Jokic and have been fiercely defending him for the last seven years. He's a lawyer in Wyoming and a Bleacher Report NBA writer, maybe the best follow on Twitter altogether, especially if you are into Seinfeld Star Wars or Saved by the Bell. Andrew D. Bailey. Welcome, Andy. What an introduction. Thank you, Miroslav. I, I feel uh, beyond flattered and unworthy of all those kind words, but I will take them. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. What, what's what's going on in, in, in Wyoming? How, how is off-season treating you? It's good. It's too hot here. I'm I'm a winter person anything over like 40 degrees fahrenheit is too hot for me so i'm ready for the snow to come um but i've had <laughs> had plenty of time to spend with my kids this summer which is nice and um they may be sick of having me around as much as i am but i'll i'll take that too yeah uh, are you waiting for for the second shoe to drop on some of the, the deals we are hoping 
will will be able to see or do you think it's all postponed for the before the the training camps i i'm anxiously waiting for those deals i wish they would happen um you're probably right that they'll be a little closer to training camp it sounds like that's sort of the unofficial trade deadline right now but i don't think any of those teams would want to enter camp with the awkward situations that they've now created for themselves um the only one i could see that being different for is brooklyn like i think there's a decent chance they go into the season with both of those guys uh but for utah and la with rep westbrook i think they got to figure something out and and me personally i would love them to because i've, I've probably had to write 10 fake trades for each of those guys in the last couple of months so i'm i'm ready to analyze something that's actually happened <laughs> but but are you secretly hoping the the Lakers will uh, end up with uh, Russell Westbrook for another season <laughs> or or do you want the turmoil? <laughs> I I don't mind the turmoil for the Lakers one bit. Um but I you know how can they justify that? If they can find anybody to take him on like I don't know if it was like a week ago or two weeks ago whatever it was when that when that rumor broke that they had possibly had a deal for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, but they just wouldn't include a, a second first-round pick. I thought that's that's madness to me. Um, Heald and Turner in, in place of Westbrook makes them so much better. And I get you don't want to you don't want to give up too many future assets, but when you have LeBron, it's kind of what you do to yourself. You're in a win-now window as long as he's there. Um, So they they've got to do something, but I think you're right. I, if for for the entertainment purposes, I wouldn't mind seeing him run it back with Russ. I honestly think that Russell Westbrook will become a positive um, positive trade chip at the trade deadline because you can get off like almost fifty million dollars off your books just by by giving some worse salary. To, to the Lakers and and possibly one of the guys should be you know playable in that situation. Yeah, he's he would definitely be easier to move if he happens to stay on the Lakers at the trade deadline because like you said then you you've got some financial flexibility if you're the other team taking him on. Um and I still <laughs> this may sound crazy to say after he seemingly burned bridges at each of the last three or four stops, but We have seen little windows of like how this could work with Russell Westbrook. And now he's older than he was when he was in Houston. But the last couple months there where they basically made him a point center, um, that worked. Now, I don't, I don't know if you want to pay a guy as much as you got to pay Russ and then tailor your whole lineup to that. But I think there is a world in which he can at least be a, a somewhat helpful player. It's just it's not with the Lakers. I, I kind of think, and this is the last thing I will say about the, the effing Lakers, is that for, <laughs> for them, before they trade Russell Westbrook away, I think they have a better chance of, of having LeBron changing his game a bit because Russell cannot do it. If LeBron would become the screener for Russell, that would make more sense. Of course, you don't want to waste LeBron's minutes uh, playing a, a diminished role, but that would i think with with a with a lebron being a great player as he is that would probably work better than what they've been trying by now i think you're right um he he's got a much and lebron doesn't have like the most malleable game he's not kevin durant but he's certainly more malleable than russell westbrook is um 
and the idea of him as like a role man is is kind of interesting or a pick and pop guy um but good luck good luck trying to convince either one of those guys (laughs) to do something like that Oh, beautiful, beautiful. I, I just hope it stays like this for, for another six months. Okay. Yeah, I don't mind it. <laughs> Let's go back to, to our main main uh, uh, stars for the show. I know you will continue defending Rudy Gobert in the future, but since Utah have traded him away and we are still waiting to see when they will trade away Donovan Mitchell and be, begin the full-on rebuild, do you expect to focus on the Nuggets and Nikola Jokic even more now? Or will Minnesota grab a big piece of your attention now? Yeah, I, I think Denver's going to, frankly, for the last two or three years, I've probably paid closer attention to Denver than I have to Utah. Um, when I first started a Bleacher Report back in 2010, I think, um, shortly they, thereafter, they assigned me to the Jazz, and, and I followed them real closely. And then I wrote about them for Forbes, and I wrote about them for SB Nation. Um, but frankly, they've just become kind of uninteresting to me in the last couple of years, which also coincided with the rise of Jokic, um, who to me is he's not just the most entertaining player in the NBA right now. I honestly think he's he's maybe the most entertaining player of my lifetime, or at least, you know, what I remember as a basketball fan. Um, so Denver, to me, is the most entertaining team in the league right now because they have Jokic. And they have multiple guys who play pretty well off of him. Um, they were fun to watch last year, even without Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. Now that you plug those guys back into the equation, um, I think KCP and Bruce Brown both fit him really well, too. So unless I'm assigned by Bleacher Report, um, and sort of my day-to-day with them now is just the league in general. So they'll, they'll assign me to you know Lakers games and all the other big markets throughout the year, but when I don't have a night or when I have a night when I'm not assigned to some other team, it's almost always default to the Nuggets, at least for the last couple of seasons. Um, you're right, though. I mean, I, I think there are going to be nights where I watch the Timberwolves now because, I, I, like I said, I think Denver's the most entertaining. I think Minnesota's the most interesting team oh, in yeah. the NBA this season. Um, we we kind of got our beaks wet with the the big lineups last year that Cleveland played. Um, Boston to a degree kind of went bigger this season uh, than, than I think we're used to. Minnesota's taken it to another level, um, with Towns and Gobert. And I see how it'll work. Um, but I can also see how it wouldn't work. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how those guys play. If Anthony Edwards takes like a superstar leap, um, and Towns and Gobert mesh, I think fairly well, Minnesota's going to be really, really tough. Uh, so I think, you know, if I, if I had to pick two teams right now, you know, what are the two teams you probably watch the most this season? It'd probably be those two. <laughs> yeah, excellent. And tell me uh, one thing that interests me. When when you say you've been paying more attention to the Nuggets than to the Utah Jazz for the last couple of seasons, I mean, Utah Jazz usually had a bit better regular season record than, than the Nuggets, or they've been pretty close uh, on average, like like last three seasons. Did you see the limitations of Utah Jazz in, in the playoffs? Was that the reason why why the Nuggets looked uh, more interesting to you than, than Utah Jazz? Or is it something else? Or is it just the, the, the charisma of Jokic on the court? I, I think it's probably a little bit of all those things. Um, 
for one thing, I, I feel like I kind of knew what I was getting from the jazz for the last two or three years. It was sort of a lather, rinse, repeat sort of a thing. Uh, I think if you look up the numbers, they have completely dominated the league in terms of volume of pick and rolls ran for the last couple of years. So it was almost like, um, and I, sorry if I offend any volleyball players out there. Um, but my whole life, when I watch volleyball, it just kind of looks like, you know, set, well, I don't even know the word bump, set, spike, bump, set, spike over and yeah. over. And that's kind of what it was with the jazz pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll. Um, and, and honestly, the pick and rolls kind of frustrated me sometimes because I'd see this big seven foot two guy standing all by himself under the rim and nobody's passing him the ball. Yeah. Um, so there were some frustrations there. I also think that I think, you know, I probably knew in my mind that they were going to run into some team that could throw the small ball thing at them and they wouldn't be able to adjust. Um, I kind of drank the Kool-Aid like a lot of other people did last offseason when they signed Rudy Gay. I thought, okay, maybe he can be a small ball fight for them. Maybe they can counter some of the small ball stuff. Um, but that obviously didn't happen. They got they got blown off the floor by the Mavericks in the first round. And, and their problems started long before the playoffs this season. Um, I think the fact that we've kind of known the end was coming with Donovan Mitchell for a couple years too probably – also contributed to me being a little less interested in them. Um, I'm, I'm excited for this next chapter. I, I think it's smart that they're going to start fresh. I know they're putting on a public face saying that we may keep Donovan Mitchell um, and try to build a team around him, but I, I would be kind of surprised if that's what happens. And the haul that they got for Gobert, I don't know how you say no to that. And if they get four or five more picks for Mitchell – um, you know, maybe a pick or two for Conley and Bogdanovich and the rest of the veterans, they're going to be in great shape. And I think if Danny Ainge is, if his goal is to mold something kind of like the Celtics, a little more positionless, I think they'll probably be in a better position in the long run. Yeah, I agree. And when you mentioned this, this pairing of, of uh, Towns and Gobert that could go either way, it could be the most dominant you know, front court combination in the league. And it can also, maybe it could be a run off the floor with, with a, some smaller lineups. But I would, honestly, I would really like for them to succeed because I like diversity in the NBA. I like teams playing different kinds of basketball. And I also think that there are some cyclical things about basketball. Some things go away and then they return 10 years later when... You have another combination of guys. I mean, we had Twin Towers in San Antonio with uh, with Duncan and Robinson, and they they won that championship pretty pretty easily. I as as long as I remember, I was I was uh, well, it was twenty something years ago. But uh, do you think that this pairing of Gobert and Towns will be the hardest hardest mystery for Nikola Jokic to solve in a potential matchup in the playoffs? And by the way, how 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 well do you think the team Timberwolves will play against other Western Conference teams with that big lineup? Um, you know, I think it's a mystery. I don't know if there's any mysteries that Jokic can't solve at this point. Um, it, it's probably going to be tougher than other teams in the league. Um, Gobert's obviously a great interior defender. I don't think he's a he's you know, his his biggest strength, I think, is 
protecting the paint from a team concept, um, covering for his teammates' weaknesses, rotating over, um, chasing guys from behind. As far as just like a one-on-one post defender against a guy who's set up on the block, that's not his biggest strength. He's not bad at it. Um, But that's what Jokic does, obviously. Um, And I think every Nuggets fan probably remembers the brother I have 47 game. Um, And, and the numbers, I think, I think Gobert has a winning record against Jokic, but his numbers are, they're, they're Jokic numbers against Gobert. So I think he's kind of gotten that figured out. Um, The other, the other mystery, I think for at least a couple games, people were saying, well, Draymond's got him figured out at the start of the playoffs last year. And obviously that didn't continue. Um, Denver lost that series, but I think Jokic averaged something like 35, 15 and seven or something for the last three games of that series. So, you know, even if, even if it's a mystery and having both of those big bodies is a problem for him in the first game, I, you know, I'd be shocked if he doesn't figure something out by halftime um, or at the very latest by like the next time he sees them Um, for other teams. I I think they are going to be good. I, I, I can see how, all of Gobert's strength sort of covered Towns' weaknesses and vice versa. Um, I think – I can't remember who it was. Somebody somebody who – Andre Snellings, I think, works for ESPN. He responded to somebody who was responding to me about a Timberwolves thing. And they were saying, well, they're going to be cooked if teams go small. And Andre said, okay, go small. You play, you play five small guys against this team. You, you kind of just push Rudy Gobert to the dunker spot of the corner and let Towns cook the small guy in the post. Um, that's something that Utah never had with Gobert. Yeah, right. So I don't think you can play purely small ball lineups against Minnesota. Um, and if you don't, then if you don't play those purely small ball lineups, then you get in, you get into the size disadvantage that they're going to have over everybody. So I think they're going to be really good. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm high on them. You know, I think, I think Towns being arguably the best, I'm not going to say that because it's still Dirk to me, but he's one of the top three to five shooting big men of all time. Um, With him pulling defenders away from Gobert and and Gobert sort of symbiotically pulling defenses in with his ability to roll to the rim, um, they're going to be tough. And I, and I think Anthony Edwards has a lot of defensive potential. Um, him and Gobert in the same lineup, I think they could be a good defense too. I think Minnesota is going to be really fun to watch. One question. When Nuggets are meeting meeting the, the, the Timberwolves and you're Chris Finch, who do you put on Jokic? Do you put Gobert or do you put Towns and have Gobert on the help side? Because you are risking fouls from Carl Anthony Towns in that case, right? Yeah, that's a great question. Um and I think I would probably start with Towns, even though, like you said, you, you're going to risk foul trouble. We've seen him get into foul trouble plenty of times. Um, the other question is against Denver specifically, then you're, then you're worrying about all kinds of different matchups after that. Um, I think Gobert kind of makes sense against Aaron Gordon. Um, y- you can't play him on MPJ because another one of Gobert's weaknesses is – defending big guys who can shoot. Um, that's obviously the case for Michael Porter. Um, so I think if if Minnesota went with Towns 
on Gobert, I'd probably have a pretty quick pull for Aaron Gordon, slide MPJ over to the four, and you've got a big problem if you're Minnesota. Um, and Denver's going to be creating mismatch problems with a bunch of teams all season long. Uh, and it's especially true for Minnesota. But I, I do think you'd probably start with Towns on Jokic. As good as Gobert is, like I said earlier, he's he's kind of solved that mystery. Um, he's had a lot of big performances against him. And I think it's it's just he knows how to use his body so well. He knows how to knock Gobert off balance inside. Um, so I don't, you know, as far as one-on-one goes, I don't think he has a lot of problems with Gobert anymore. Sure. And and when, when you said the mismatches by the Nuggets, Nuggets, when fully healthy, they're actually walking mismatch because you have mm-hmm. you have Jamal Murray, who is a really good screener, who can play the, the 5-1 pick and roll with Nikola Jokic as, a, as the ball handler, which is an insane problem for most of, of uh, defenses uh, around the league. And then you have Porter and, and, and Gordon, who are neither a three nor a four. They're just, a, you know, forwards. They can they can play whatever. So, the, yeah, that, that's a really, really fun team. And I, I so, so much hope we'll be able to, to see that this year. One final question for this first segment. Why do you think Nikola Jokic and Rudy Gobert have so many haters covering the league and even in the league? What what's what's so specific about those two? I think that's a great question and it's something that I've thought about for years. Um I think inside the league in terms of other players it seems like nobody's hated more than Gobert, which is sure. just kind of interesting to me. Um I heard Adam, I, it was maybe a day or two ago, Adam Mata is talking about that and how he doesn't like Gobert and it has nothing to do with him as a person. He just doesn't like the way he plays. Um, hopefully I'm not misquoting Adam and he can yeah, after me right. if I am. But um, I think there's a lot to that. He has a much different game than most guys that we've really ever seen. Um, you know, even the dominant centers of the 90s, like Patrick Ewing and Hakeem Olajuwon and guys like that could at least, you know, turn around and take a 15-footer. Um, and there's something aesthetically pleasing about that, where with Gobert, it's it's just dunks. Um, and to me, that's always been fine. I mean, I you know, my my response to the people who said, well, he doesn't have a, you don't have a post game and he needs to be able to do that to stay on the floor against these small ball lineups. I always thought, man, I'd, I'd love to have a guy who averaged 16 points on 10 shots a game or whatever it is. Um, that's a huge offensive boost. Um, so I think his game being different is part of the problem for Rudy. And I think to a, to an extent, you could say that about Jokic too. He's, he's much different than any player we've ever really seen basically since Larry Bird to me. Um and, you know, there's there's shades of Arvita Sabonis there um, and other guys, but he's he's truly unique and different. So I think different is kind of hard for people to wrap their heads around. And then I think there's probably just sort of an inherent bias against these non-Americans. Um, I don't know if that's true of everybody in the media or every fan or every player, but <laughs> that's the common ingredient with at least those two guys. Um they're not from here. They didn't come up in our system. We didn't get to know them um, on YouTube highlight reels. We didn't get to know them in college. All of a sudden, they're just here from Europe, and they're dominating. Um, I was thinking a little bit about this question earlier today, too, and 
there there have been good non-American players and non-American centers in the past. I mentioned Sabonis. Uh, Rick Smith is another guy that comes to mind. Um, Pau Gasol, Mark Gasol, um, Dirk Nowitzki, obviously. Um, for the most part, with the exception of maybe Dirk, none of those guys had clearly elevated above the the established American core of players. Jokic to me is the best player in the world. He's the best basketball player in the world. And I think that's a really hard thing for people to wrap their heads around. Um, this sort of doughy guy from a country people here in America don't know a lot about um, is all of a sudden just dominating our sport. Um, maybe that's difficult for people to wrap their heads around, whether they want to acknowledge that or not. So that's a long winded way of saying, I think there's probably, a lot of different factors, but I've, I've certainly seen that. And it's, it's a bizarre thing to me. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think you were the, you were the right person to, to ask this and, and finally end this, this debate on whether these guys are, are just uh, underappreciated uh, in the public. And I don't think it, it will change massively in the future, to be honest. I mean, maybe, maybe like if Jokic wins, like, three rings in next five years maybe somebody will say yeah he was really one of the greats but you know if he ends up with like like one ring even even with one ring i i don't think he he will be uh, appreciated accordingly to 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 the level of his play i i do think he probably will never get the credit he deserves and that's going to be a you know a career-long crusade for me it's <laughs> to give him that credit <laughs> Um, but I, I do remember a pretty significant shift in the way people viewed Dirk before and after his title. Um, and so my hope would be is that, you know, if Jokic can pull that off, um, as difficult as it is in the modern NBA to win a title, I think that would change some people's perception of him. Um, but he's always going to have detractors. I mean, for him to do what he's done over the last two years and still have people crying about him winning the MVP was just the height of absurdity to me. I mean, he, he had arguably the best two year stretch in the history of basketball statistically. Um, and, and still there were these prominent personalities on TV, like literally screaming about it. Um, it was just so bizarre. So he's, he's probably always going to have some detractors and that's just kind of the nature of the business at this point for a lot of people. Um, But I, I do think it's heightened with Jokic for, for probably the reasons that we've already discussed. Okay, let's take a first break, first ad break, and hopefully I will not flop this completely. Ivoca is the new GOAT in Colorado sports. That is the greatest of all TV. Ivoca TV delivers amped up sports coverage for Colorado fans featuring Altitude Sports, AT&T Sportsnet, and NFL Network. Get the most regional sports for less. The lowest price for sports in Colorado. All in crystal clear HD while using less bandwidth. And enjoy over 60 entertainment channels, including news, movies, and more. Ivoca is only $25 a month plus a $5 receiver fee. Right now, Colorado sports fans can get $10 off per month for your first three months. To score this deal, go to ivoca.tv slash Colorado 10. That's E-V-O-C-A dot TV slash Colorado 10. 
turn your home into the ultimate game viewing zone. You can even stream your teams from a phone, laptop, or tablet when you're on the go. You can also add on Sling to get ESPN and more. Get a discounted rate when bundling with Sling. No contracts, no catches. Evoca is TV made for champions of the remote. Next, get in on the hottest sports action for your shot at cold hard cash with DraftKings Sportsbook. Bet on your favorite sports all summer long and gear up for football season. Right now, new customers can get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. Just make your first bet up to $1,000. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get another shot for a big win. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Deposit and withdraw, withdraw cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use code DNVR, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's code DNVR, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Risk-free bet paid out of the form of non-withdrawable free bet token max $1,000. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Now, before we continue our show, I'm uh, obliged to give you my DraftKings pick of the week. And that is Diamondbacks minus 130 to beat the Rockies tonight. You know, it's the Brandon Wout curse. Since he started covering the Rockies, they haven't won a single game. So this is just free cash. Just bet $130 and get $100 free dollars. All right, segment two. Now we're going all the way, pivoting all the way to Nikola Jokic. So do you remember what was the first moment you've told yourself, damn, this Jokic kid is going to be a Hall of Famer one day? I, I, by the way, I wanted to ask you this for like four years. <laughs> when was the well, exact it, moment? It, it may have been before four years ago. Um, <laughs> I can't remember the exact moment I thought he's going to be an all-timer. Um, I do remember... Frankly, at the at during his rookie season, I was still you know very much plugged into the Utah Jazz. Um, I, I'd say probably half of my coverage at that time was about the Jazz, and so I didn't I didn't really pay close attention to Jokic's rookie season. But I remember an article by Adam Frommel um, towards the end of his rookie season. It was entitled, uh, you know, Denver is banking on this rookie you've never heard of, something like that, and I read it. And I read the numbers and I looked at some of the video and I thought, this guy's interesting. Um, but he didn't have numbers that like jumped off the screen or anything at that time. But as early as his second season, I started to say, this is interesting. Um, I I have long been a fan of, of bigger guys and passing that combination, even if it's not necessarily a center. Like I love Penny Hardaway. Um, I love the way Magic Johnson played. I was really excited when Sean Livingston got drafted um, because I just, I like that combination of size and passing. And with Jokic, it, it was combined in a way that I hadn't maybe ever seen as early as the second or third season. Um, and it wasn't just the passing numbers. It was the way that he passed. 
another article that I think opened a lot of eyes to him. It was somebody at SB Nation. I can't remember who wrote it, but they talked a lot about how his passing was really similar to water polo. Um, it might have even been a video that somebody made. Um, but he, he was just so unique. And, and then, I, you know, when I really started paying attention second, third season, I'm thinking, okay, he's, he's building a statistical profile or resume that really no one else has in the first two or three years of his career. And that's obviously true now. Um, at, at this point, I think he's, I, I don't think I know <laughs> I, sh- I shouldn't <laughs> pretend um, he's second all time in career box plus minus. Um, yep. He's, he's got such a unique combination of passing size, shooting defense, whether people want to recognize that or not. Um just such a unique player and I think as early as like for so again what put him on my radar was that late rookie season stuff when I thought this guy could be special was pretty early on in that second season as far as hall of fame it it may not have been long after that yeah I I have to be honest when he was playing his rookie season I was looking at his numbers I wasn't watching a bunch of Denver Nuggets games first of all I didn't have the the NBA league pass that I have today and uh, you know there was just a few games during the during the year on TV for Denver Nuggets but I saw his numbers and I was like hmm this is really really nice this kid got a really good break on the Nuggets you know Yusuf Nurkic got injured so he got unplanned minutes at the Nuggets and he kind of you know used them pretty well and I was thinking how why some other much better guys than him didn't have that kind of chance. I was always thinking about Nemanja Bjelica playing for Tom Thibodeau in, in Minnesota Timberwolves. But <laughs> reality was far from that. I was I was I, I wasn't giving him enough credit. And of course, when we saw him for the first time on the Olympics in, in 2016, when he 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 was smashing the team USA on that olympics they they all almost made the, the the win against the team usa in the group stage they had a they, they had a shot for the for the overtime and i was like man this this boy is is really something i mean and they've not not been using him properly at all i mean he was just a screener and and a finisher in in at the rim and <laughs> even with that he was he was by far the best player on the serbian national team so you can you can imagine how how excited I am right now before the before the Eurobasket starts and we get oh, me to too. see the national team. Like, the, are you planning to watch the games? I'm going to watch as much as I can, and I've I've pitched Bleacher Report. Please let me write about it. Um, I don't know if the Bleacher Report audience <laughs> cares as much about Eurobasket as I do. Sure. Um, so if they don't, I'll just write about it on my Substack. But that's Eurobasket's one of my favorite tournaments. In, in all of basketball. Um, I love it. It's kind of how Luka Doncic made his international arrival. Um, so it's it's one of my favorite events. I can't wait to watch Serbia. Um, I know there's an early game of Serbia and Greece, which yep. is going to be really interesting to watch. Um, that's that's going to be a fun, fun tournament. Okay, I've I've seen you answering this question during the years several times, but I want the updated answer from you. How high do you think now Jokic can end up 
on the all-time list of greatest players if he decides to play several years beyond his current six seasons long contract. So meaning if he really has a long and, and you know, successful career. Great question. Um, I was on the DNVR Nuggets show, I, I think about two years ago. Um, and they asked me this question and I, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I, I think I said top five to 10 all time. And they all kind of reacted as you might expect. Cause that was before he had won either one of these MVP yeah, awards. That's right. That was just based on, again, like I said earlier, he had this statistical profile that was just ridiculous. Um, so I thought he was on track for that at that time. Um, and I think the answer to this question relate depends a ton on whether or not he wins a championship and how many he wins. Um, because the general, the general basketball viewing public puts so much emphasis on that. Um, even though it's a lot different to win a championship now than it was 20 years ago or 50 years ago. Um, it's still sort of like the main box that a player has to check legacy wise. So I guess my answer would be if he wins a title, um, in, in my mind, I don't know how he'd be outside the top five, top 10, (laughs) as lofty as that sounds. Um, and let me back that up because I think, you know, a lot of people would hear that and say, Oh, you're, you're ridiculous. Um, you know, there's no way he can top some of the guys that are kind of the pantheon top five to 10. But again, he's, he's literally doing things that nobody has ever done before. Um, even with two or three seasons of growing pains and not really having the right role in Denver, he's already got per game averages that are unmatched by anyone. Um, and I can't remember exactly what they are. I think at this point, they're basically like 20, a little over 10 and a little over six. Yeah. Um, I think Larry Bird is like 20 plus and then t- exactly 10 and exactly six. Um, so Bird is close to him, but Jokic over the next two or three years is going to put more ground yeah. um, between him and Bird on that per game stuff. And again, that's with two or three years of uh, a learning curve to the NBA. Um, these last two seasons, nobody's ever done anything like that. Um, high volume scoring, like, like not too far off Stephen Curry in 2015, 16 level scoring over the last two seasons, Um, 12 or 13 rebounds a game, and then eight or nine assists. Really the only person who's, who's close in terms of raw numbers was those triple double seasons from Westbrook. But of course his efficiency was nowhere near what Jokic's is. Um, So he's already statistically, he's doing things that, nobody's ever done before um you add a championship to that resume people will still find ways to detract from him like we said earlier um but if you're just looking at raw data it's it's really hard to keep him out of that conversation or if you actually watch the film (laughs) i mean great point and and i I get that so much you know because because a lot of my Twitter account is stats. Um, I love to be able to back stuff up with evidence. And so I post a lot of evidence and under, you know, predictably there's so many people who are like, you're such a dork. Uh, go back to your spreadsheet. You should go watch games. 
okay, go watch Jokic. He's like the most entertaining <laughs> player of my lifetime. <laughs> and it's it's so bizarre. I mean, he 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 does everything on a basketball court, and he does it in a way that nobody else ever has. Um, so sure, cite the eye test to me with Nicole Jokic. Great, I I love watching Jokic play. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, what would be the the bulletproof statistical uh, and and team record wise for Nikola to get the MVP threepeat this season? What are the limits that just nobody will be able to to say? No, somebody else is better. They're going to be high. Um... Because okay, you you <laughs> you saw the reaction to the second MVP, um, statistically, objectively, there wasn't a good argument for anyone else. I I can see how people were on the Giannis um, argument, and I you know to a to a degree, I can see the Embiid argument last year, um, but it was it was easily Jokic for me, and for people to still react the way they did, that told me. Okay, <laughs> there's enough backlash that there's no chance he's going to win a third MVP in a row. There just isn't. Um, but <laughs> since we've had a little distance from that second MVP being announced, I thought more about it. Um, and though I don't think it's likely, I do think there's a scenario in which he wins. Um, I think the most important box to check there and maybe the most difficult box to check is Denver finishing first in the West. Um, or at least like top two or three, but finishing first in the West is going to be big. Um, I think he may have to average a triple double, <laughs> um, which is not as far off as you might, as, as some might think. Um, I don't remember his per game assists off the top of my head from the season. It was 7.9 and 8.3 the year before that. Um, so triple double or near triple double. So imagine um, tri triple double on like 65 through shooting. Yep, that was my next box. <laughs> so if if Denver if Denver is first in the West, Jokic averages because I think his points are going to go down a little bit with Murray and MPJ going back. Um, but if they're first in the West and he's averaging like 24-12 and nine and a half with a 66 or 67 true shooting percentage how do you make a reasonable argument for anybody else? I mean, I guess there's a world in which somebody has better numbers than that, but nobody's done it to this point <laughs> in basketball history. I mean, the only person who's close to that is Jokic. Yeah. So, so he, he would basically be competing with, with his last two seasons. He's competing with himself. <laughs> yep. And, um, and the perception of him in the media, he's competing with that too. Um, You know, people are going to be clamoring to vote for Embiid if they finish first, and he averages like 32 points. You know, if he if he averages 32, 10, and five, then he has a 61 true shooting percentage. He he's going to get a lot of votes. And that would be, I mean, honestly, that would be like a top 10 season all time. Yeah. <laughs> What we and and that's that's another thing I think about with Jokic is. Um, You know, everybody says, well, Embiid deserves one. Um, that may be. He just happens to be playing at the same time as Nikola Jokic. And it's kind of like Charles Barkley probably deserved to win a championship at some point. Carl Malone probably deserved to win a championship at some point. 
they just happened to be playing in the same era as Michael Jordan. Um, <laughs> Michael Jordan had to wait for Magic Johnson and Larry Bird to to retire True. and for for uh, Isaiah Thomas to break his you know wrist shooting during yep. the summer <laughs> to start winning the championships. And of course, he grew up. He grew as a player and become became more of a team player. His numbers went down, but his team became better. Timing timing is a huge, huge deal um, in the NBA. And there's still time for Joel Embiid to win an MVP. I wouldn't be shocked if he won the very next one. Um, he's an all-time great center. And he just happens to be playing at the same time as, as one who's a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> How about Embiid's uh, place in the Pantheon if he wins a championship with Philadelphia? Where where could he rank? That's a good question too. Um, if we if we put kind of the same parameters on it as we did with Jokic, yeah. so he wins a title and he has six more six or seven more seasons at this level, um, that's maybe top ten to fifteen all time. Um, him statistically, it's you know he he's also pretty ridiculous. Yep. Uh, I can't. I believe. This is still true, but I haven't run the search in a little bit. He may be the all-time leader in career points per 75 possessions, um, which is, <laughs> you know, the most important thing in basketball is to put the ball in the hoop, yep. and he's phenomenal at it. Um, he's he's also a really, really good defender. I don't think the gap between him and Jokic is quite as severe as a lot of people make it out to be. Um, but he's a phenomenal rim protector and I've seen some good moments of him on the perimeter too. He's an improving playmaker. Uh, he's a dominant rebounder, but I think the, the, the most important thing with him is scoring. And since I was talking about it, I just looked it up. <clears throat> he's actually tied with Michael Jordan for first all time, 30.3 points per 75 possessions. Um, that may come down in the post prime part of his career. Uh, but he's obviously a dominant, dominant scorer. Um, and so I think you, you pair that with the other things that he does really well and, and a possibility of a title. Uh, yeah, probably he's going to have a case for the top 10. One short question for the end of this segment. Is there a player right now in the NBA, like in his second or third season, or maybe a rookie even, nobody's talking about, like nobody was talking about Nikola Jokic that you could see you know, sneak and, and become a all-time great one day? Ooh. Um, all-time great, I don't know. I, I There are some guys that I think are underrated right now. Um, it's really hard for someone to have a similar sort of trajectory as Jokic because, again, he's kind of the first person to ever do it. Um, yeah, sure. To do what he's done. <laughs> and so um, pairing that with this bizarre disrespect that he got for the first several years of his career. That's just really unique. Um, but there are a couple of young ish guys that I don't think have quite gotten their flowers to the, to the degree that they should. Um, I've long been fascinated by John Collins for the last two or three seasons. Again, I don't think he's like an all timer or anything like that. Um, but he's kind of a walking 20 and 10. He shoots high thirties from three He's really athletic. 
Um, there are certainly question marks about his defense. Uh, but basically, ever since the rumor started that Atlanta may be looking to trade him, I've kind of thought, why? <laughs> he's he's a really talented young player, and I think in a different situation could could be a multi-time all-star. Um, another guy that's interesting to me is Ben Simmons. <laughs> um, I understand why all the, the concerns are out there. I think uh, not wanting to shoot is a big problem in today's NBA. Uh, I think everything that happened with him last season is very concerning. Um, but I think people have talked so much about his faults that they've kind of glossed over. He's, he's an incredibly talented, unique playmaker, a guy at six ten who can work in transition the way that he does and can defend on the perimeter the way that he does. Um, you know, if he can get and stay healthy and be in, in like a relatively healthy situation psychologically too um he's maybe someone who does have all-timer potential um you know if he's if he ends up with career averages of like 18 8 and 8 or something that's that's pretty rarefied air um so i think people have prematurely jumped ship on him and then the last one i'll mention um again i'm not sure if this is an all-timer guy but i do think people are kind of sleeping on michael porter jr um oh yeah for the nuggets i mean that that season he had, I think it was 2020, 21, um, where he was fully healthy and he was in the right role. He he was putting up like truly bonkers shooting numbers. Um, it that that kind of shooting, especially when paired with Nikola Jokic, um, you know, I think he could be like a Clay Thompson level impact guy, and and maybe even. You know, he's he's probably never going to be like the perimeter defender that Thompson was at the height of his powers. Um, but MPJ kind of has a knack for like a highlight block and he's a really good rebounder. Um, so shooting is obviously always going to be like the main thing with him. But I think he's kind of underrated as a basketball player. Generally, if he if he comes back and is fully healthy this season, I think he's going to open a lot of eyes. I love his chasing blocks. That those are amazing. Yep. People think, yeah, I've I've just beaten this guy, and he just swats away the shot. He's got good instincts for that. Yep. Okay, let's take another break. Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR. Beers on tap and regular seltzers are being sold at the bar. You guys know we love our Breck beers at DNVR. Remember. Supporting our partners is supporting us. The Breck Brew has a beer from for any occasion, and there is no better way to watch a game than having some Breck Brew. Breck Brew has been doing it for over 30 years, and it all comes down to the love and passion for making good beer. Try out some of our favorites, Good Company Heart Seltzers and Lemonade Seltzers. Avalanche, Amber Ale, Juice Drop, IPA, Summer Pills, Shandy, that's the new one, Strawberry Sky, Vanilla Porter Jr. What's different about Breck Brews compared to other beer? Well, they have a beer, Breck Beer locator. You just type in your address and the locator will show you where's the nearest uh, store you can get your Breck Beer. Okay, next. What is sexy pizza, you ask? Well, with 13 years in the Denver community, sexy pizza is as local as it gets. A hand-tossed deck oven pizza with made-from-scratch each morning dough. 
choose your own adventure with their wide range of toppings or try one of their signature philanthropies. A portion of every t- sale from these five specialty pies is donated to a range of different nonprofits right here in Colorado, which is pretty cool. Looking to have sexy pizza support your organization or event? Go to sexy.pizza and check out their about page for the donations link to see how sexy pizza can support your cause. With a 12-inch, 16-inch, or 18-inch crust, sexy pizza is sure to be the right fit. Add on all the fixings with wings, salads, pasta, nuts, and dessert options. Don't forget their vegan options or delicious 12-inch gluten-free crust, and you've got yourself a can't-missed hit. Order from any of their four Denver locations in Capitol Hill, Old South Pearl, Jefferson, Jefferson Park, and Park Hill, and a new location in Trinidad, Colorado that just opened. Okay, segment three, a short one. I wanted to have a little bit of fun with you. So let's do a small fantasy draft. Ten guys we would like to pick first to start a franchise with. I don't want to make two teams of, of five guys. You need to, to be careful of the fit. Let's just imagine you have five franchises because you're filthy rich and I have five franchises <laughs> and we are just picking our first guys for our teams. I love this Be- universe. Yeah, because because Bill Simmons did something similar, I mean, with a bigger range of players. I want I don't want to get the best players because that's a debatable. I want 10 guys that are most de- desirable for you to start their franchise with, you know, with like a three or five five year window in front of you. And one last fork. I will be picking guys from the US and you will be picking guys from overseas. So we will not be we will not be uh messing with each other's, you know, uh, player pools. We we can just uh <laughs> and I get the and I get the better player pool. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'll do my best. I'll do my best. <laughs> okay, so it doesn't matter who starts. It's a different player pool. Just give me your first pick. Okay. My first pick is Nikola Jokic. Uh, very very smart pick for a Denver Nuggets podcast. <laughs> yeah. And I and just a word on that. I'm I'm I understand why most people take Jokic or not Jokic. <laughs> I understand why most people take Doncic or Giannis for this question. Doncic is 22, I think. Um, so he's four or five years younger than Jokic. And then, you know, everybody points to Giannis's defense, which is better than Jokic's, but I don't think it's as big of a gap as people make it out to be. Um, just on, on Luka and Jokic specifically, Luka may become as efficient as Jokic is, he may become as much of an impact defender as Jokic is, uh, but those aren't guaranteed. And and Jokic is only 26. I think he's 26. Is he 27 now? He's 27 now, yeah, from February. So he's he's 27. And if I've, if I've got him for five years, I think I'm going to get the rest of his prime. And there literally isn't a box that he doesn't check. Um, you know, I, I think Luca will eventually probably check every box, but he doesn't yet. And I'm going to take the guy who's in the heart of his prime and already does everything. Okay, that's a sweet pick. I will start with my <laughs> first pick. And this is tough, man. I mean, 
my first pick is Steph Curry. The only reason why I say this is tough is because he's like 34 now. Mm-hmm. That's the the sole reason why why I'm hesitating to pick him first. But he's so good. He he's just still so amazing. Uh, he, his season this year wasn't that far off from what was his best season, like 2016, something 2015, like that. 2015-16. Yeah. yeah, that was like an old timer season. I mean, he's the actually the only guy whose true shooting matches Nikola Jokic's true shooting. Those guys are like two of the most most efficient volume scorers ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I, and I, yeah, and I think um, I think his game is going to age relatively well. And if we're looking at like a three to five year window, I I I think that's probably a fine pick. Yeah. Yeah, he he's kind of playing bigger than he is. I think I think he his his footwork is so so good and and he's not a one trick pony, you know. So if you have a guy, if you have a guy like Russell Westbrook, let's let's be honest. I mean, Russell Westbrook needs to blow by you and try to finish at the rim. And if he cannot finish at the rim, like he couldn't for the last several seasons, then you get the uh, a Hall of Famer, I mean, no questions asked. Hall of Famer who, whose uh, game didn't age so nice. Okay, mm-hmm. second pick for you. Okay, this one is actually a little bit harder for me than the first pick was. It's I think it's kind of a toss-up between Luca and Giannis. I'm going to go with the guy who's younger um, in Luca and the guy that I think profiles as a better shooter. Um, he's already a better shooter. Um, at least outside shooter. And again, there's no guarantee that he's going to be good defensively, but I think he showed some things in the playoffs this season, especially after the Suns picked on him in that one game in the playoffs. Um, He was a lot better and a lot more dedicated on that end for the rest of that series. Um, And he's a, he's, you have him, you've, you've got a workable offense. Um, You just surround him with shooting and and I think you're going to be set on one end of the floor. Um, so again, this one's really close to me, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the shooting and the youth and I'm going to go Luca. And he looks really good. I mean, he, he was, he was pretty overweight at the start of the last season and it mm-hmm. made sense because he was playing at the Olympics. It was really hard for him, you know, to, to play all of those games, all of those minutes, go, go to Japan, play over there and then come back to, to the to the NBA, uh, really ready. I mean, he, he had to uh, blow some steam off, I guess, in Slovenia. So this is why he got some some extra weight there. But uh, I mean, if if he stays as lean as he is right now, I'm so afraid of him on the Euro basket. Serbia is still the betting mm-hmm. favorite for the gold medal, but I think I think Slovenia Slovenia is right there with with Luca, especially because you know Nikola Jokic at the Euro basket might have some issues because you know FIBA basketball is so different the, the court is smaller you don't have as good of a shooters as he has in the NBA so the mm-hmm. so the spacing is going to be tricky i mean if anybody can overcome that it's the smartest guy in, in the basketball world but i still think that luka kind of has a, uh, an edge over over jokic uh, uh, at the FIBA level but we'll see We'll see. I'm I'm still a bit optimistic. Okay, my Can't second wait. pick. 
<laughs> it's gonna be awesome. Like top three players in the world playing mm-hmm. all together at the at the great tournament. My second pick, and this might surprise you, it's Jimmy Butler. Mm. I that does surprise at, me a little bit. At all of the US players and all the other guys have uh, some kind of shadow over them. It's either age or injuries or uh, uh, being uh, uh, kind of bad teammates or asking for trades too often. So Jimmy Butler, kind of, he is such a 16-game player. He just brings it every time in playoffs. So I would I will put him uh, over all the other U.S. stars as my second pick. And I, I know I'm already losing, you know. <laughs> well, we put you in a little bit of a disadvantage with the rules <laughs> that we set up here. But, yeah, Butler surprises me a little bit, um, mostly because he's almost 33. He's got a lot of mileage on him. Sure. But you're right about him being, like, one of the ultimate 16-game players. There, There's, like, something that clicks in his brain when the playoffs start. Um, so I think that's a good that's a good fallback position uh, for him. All right, my third pick. Yep, I think I already telegraphed this, but it's going to be Giannis. Um, and and there's an argument for him to go number one. Um, sure. That's what's amazing about <laughs> these three guys, who I think right now are the three best players in the world. They're all in their twenties still. Um, they all dominate in slightly different ways. Um, you know, I, I think the argument for Giannis number one is he's he's sort of Shaq esque on offense, and then he can he can do pretty much everything on defense too. Um, I think he's a little behind Jokic for me because there's a pretty huge gap shooting wise um, and passing wise, and to me those are the two most important skills in basketball: shooting and passing. And so Jokic has him for me. Um, but I wouldn't argue too hard with people who picked him first in this exercise. He's, he's ridiculous. And I, I think one of the most entertaining players in the world right now. Yeah. I mean, when he comes at you with a full head of steam, there's crazy. no stopping this guy. It's just, yeah. it's just the, the force of nature. It's, it's yep. incredible. Okay. My third pick, and he probably should have been my second pick, but with his recent trade request, I had to to put him number three. It's Kevin Durant. He's also aging a bit. I don't know. He's like 33 right now. Similar to... I think he might be 34. Even 34. So, yeah. And you know, you, he had those gruesome injuries as well in the past. But... You're right. He's he, 33. How is he playing so well after tearing the Achilles? That's, that's just insanity. It is crazy. Um and I, I think everybody probably remembers he was sort of the unofficial leader in the clubhouse for MVP at the yeah. start of last season. Like when he's, when he's healthy and on the floor, he's still a very, very dominant player. I think it's just a big if for him at this point, like if he's healthy, I, I just don't know anymore. He turns 34 in two months and he's had a bunch of issues for the last couple of years. Um, that's what kind of scares me about the Kevin Durant trade if I'm some of these other teams that are after him right now, like would I really want to give up my future for this guy? I think he, he certainly changes your short-term ceiling for a year or two, but who knows after that? Yeah. And honestly, I mean, 
two years is a long period of time. I mean, it's not, you know, like NBA 2K, you just ran through the two seasons <laughs> and then you get to the sweet spot. You need, yeah. you need to part through. I was talking to an OKC fan today. And man, I, I feel so bad for, for those people. They're so loyal to their team and they're just watching their team being intentionally bad. That that's just that just tears my heart. That the, the, roster the, is really interesting to me though. Oh, they'll be not, they'll be really good. Yeah, not right now. <laughs> at one but, point, yeah. Yeah, I think two or three years from now, they have playmaking at so many positions. Giddy, Poku, I think people kind of slept on his playmaking for the last couple of I weeks of last season. Chet. Uh, Shea Gilders Alexander, obviously. Like, I love passing and a lineup that has that much passing. I think they could be really good in like two years. Okay, let's move to the I to your fourth, fourth <laughs> pick. No, no, we just need to, to speed up a bit. Um, my fourth pick is Joel Embiid. Uh, pretty easy at this point. Um, I, I don't quite have him in the same group as those other three guys, but like I said, he's one of the greatest scorers of all time. Dominant rebounder, dominant rim protector. Can't really go wrong. Yeah, he, for me, he is, he is number five overall. I would only put Steph Curry above him from the U.S. guy. I would still take him over Butler or Durant. I, I think, think that's, a, that's the right top five. Yeah. Okay, my first, fourth pick will be LeBron James. LeBron Ramon James. He is 48. Man, the Americans he... are old. <laughs> pretty old the, I mean we're gonna get to some younger guys soon but these first four guys are pretty old and I, I can see I mean we've seen the, the push for, for uh, Jason Tatum to make him a face of the, of the league because he's a, you know, a domestic guy and he's young so I, I get the notion but all of these guys are so much still so much better than him so even with his Young age, I wouldn't take him over any of these four guys. Your fifth week. Okay. Um, there is a little bit of a drop-off now. Um, but for my fifth pick, international players only, I'm going with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. That's the um, pick. All right. Thank you. Um, like I said earlier, I like big playmakers. I think he's sort of a combo guard. Um, plays at his own pace, does a lot of things really, really well. I don't think we've seen his ceiling because, frankly, OKC doesn't really want to show us right sure. now. Um, like you said, they're trying to lose. I think SGA, um, in a different context, would be a star already. If he's not, I mean, he may be a star in some people's eyes. Um, so that's my fifth pick. Yeah, there, they be, they, there are some arguments for Siakam, for Gobert, for Sabonis, Simmons, mm -hmm. Aiton, Jamal Murray, if he's healthy, and, and, and even Andrew Wiggins, to be honest. But yeah, Shea Gillers, Alexander, for sure, all of, all of, all, out of all of these guys, I think he has the best chance of becoming the number one guy on a really, really good team. Okay, my fifth pick for the end. <sighs> This is tough. It's either Ja Morant or Jason Tatum, but I would like to give honorary mentions to Trey Young and Kawhi Leonard. I mean, it would be Kawhi Leonard if, you know, Health. he wouldn't be a theoretical player at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, it would be for sure. And that's that's another guy that's pretty old. I mean, he's he's not super old. He's about 30, 31. He's got to be 30. Like yeah. 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 yeah it's, he's, he's on the wrong side of the 30. But 
Yeah, I I really like Trey Young because he is he is a guy. I would love to see him playing next to four three and D guys, real three and D guys. But everybody wants to have four three and D guys yeah. around their superstar anyway, so yeah. it's probably impossible chance. But he's a guy that scored the most points and had the most assists out of all players last season, which is quite of a. I think he's but, kind of become underrated too. Yeah, I agree, and it's. I mean, I get it. It's the defense part, mm-hmm. and it's really loud. But, you know, I was kind of hoping Rudy Gobert would get traded to Atlanta to see that pairing between Gobert and, and Trey Young. That would be amazing. And I was that one would scared, have been fun. I was scared of shit of Gobert going to Dallas to play next to Luka. That would be insanity. That would have been ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, Rudy Gobert with a decent lob passer, I think, is, is yeah. going to open some eyes. Oh yeah, you're gonna see the guy playing for Slovenia. Uh, he's American guy. Uh, oh, what's his name? I cannot remember. Anthony he's... Randolph? No, no, no. He 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 used Wasn't to play for Slovenia them. Was he Slovenia years ago? Yeah, he yeah. was. He, he is. He is actually the European champion from 2017. But the guy playing for there now for them now is called Mike Toby. Oh he's right. A, he is I've a four-five guy, and yeah. he is a lob threat. He's basically just a lob threat, and that's just perfect for Luca. They had him. They had him for the last Euro basket, didn't they? That's right for for the Olympics. Yeah. For the Olympics, yeah. yeah. Okay, right, right, right. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so yeah, did I say my fifth pick? No, I said Jamorant. I'm not sure yeah. how happy I am about Jamorant. I, <laughs> I I I could have picked Jason Tatum. I mean, it, they're kind of similar to me. In in terms of what can you, I mean, Jason Tatum is more proven. If you if you want to go that way, but I just want to push back from Jason Tatum for for just one more season. So we'll see. Understandable. What happens next? Is okay, Andy. Thank you so much for spending these seventy minutes with me. The guys uh, the guys are playing golf right now in Denver, <laughs> so they have no idea. We we just uh, moved past the the 60 minute limit so they, they have no idea that we just had the best episode in the show's history so yeah of course of course that that goes without saying okay thank you very much the guys are coming back on monday have a great weekend everybody and adios thanks Mary love